So tonight is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to in just a few minutes have two friends come and join me up here, uh, Susan Goodwin and Molly Sawyer. They helped write this curriculum that you're looking at up on the screen. They also, uh, I'm going to let you, them tell their stories, but they, oh, I lost it, Brandon. If it doesn't work, I'm trying to present off of my iPad because I have a little more control, and I learned a really, I learned a great thing today. I can draw on it. You know, in like the Ask Pastor John videos, do you ever watch those? They draw on the scriptures and all. I figured out how, <clears throat> but it's not working for some reason. Oh, if I stand here, it works. All right, great. Um, this may not last long, but what I, th I think is so great about what they have brought to the table is it challenged me in a way to get into the scriptures that I had never done before. So when I was in college, I led uh, a crew, it was called Campus Crusade for Christ then, I led crew at KSU, and Tom Goodwin, Susan's husband, was, you were a bigwig, what was your position at that point? I mean, you still are, but what was it then? regional director. Um, so Tom, I'd, who knew that we'd be sitting here now 20 years later? That's crazy. But Tom was the regional director of crew, and we started crew, and it just took off. It took off, and people would come to me, youth pastors, college ministers would come, and they would say, hey, can, we, can I take you to lunch? And I'm a college kid, right? So I'm like, you sure can. And uh, I'm like, we're going to go someplace good. And, uh, and they all had the same question. They would say, what are you doing? what are you doing to get these college students to come? And my answer was the same every time. I said, we don't know what we're doing. I said, we're praying, we're telling people about Jesus, and we're being nice to people on campus. And, uh, and they were real disappointed because they were looking for a magic formula. Well, there was one other thing going on in the background. In the background, the Lord began to get a hold of my heart. And He began to get a hold of my heart through the Scriptures. I remember I taught uh, a, lot of, a lot of Tuesdays, we met on Tuesdays or Thursdays, depending on how the semester went, and, uh, and I would teach, and it forced me to be in the Word. But at one point, I was convicted. I thought, I'm leading this Bible study, but I've never read the Bible through. And so, I had this little thin-line NIV pleather-covered Bible. I still have that Bible today, and I just opened it up one day and said, I'm going to start. So I started in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And I opened it up, and I started reading. And, uh, and then, I, like, I read all year, like 15, 20 minutes a day. When I finally got to October, I was about to give up. Like, I had almost given up multiple times because I was in Ezekiel, and it was October, and I was like, Jesus is never coming. And so, like, there's no way we're going to get to Him by Christmas. And so, a buddy of mine told me two things on a camping trip. We were camping in Cades Cove in Tennessee. It was me and some of my college buddies. And one of my buddies said two things that were just super impactful. I said, I was just at wit's end. And I said, it's so hard. And honestly, if I'm, being, if I'm just telling you the truth, parts of the Bible are boring. And he said, well, Thomas, God is difficult. And he's hard to understand. Do you think you're going to get it the first time through? And I was like, wrong answer. Not nice. Let's continue hiking. And, uh, and so, he just basically told me to suck it up and that it was okay 
if I thought parts of the Bible were boring because maybe I just didn't quite get God yet. And, uh, and then he went on and he said, how far are you? And I said, I'm Ezekiel. It was like near Halloween. And he maybe like, he might've given an eye roll because he probably thought like, you are never going to finish. But it wasn't, he at least turned his head so I couldn't see it. When we made eye contact again, he said, we'll just keep going. You're almost in the New Testament. And I was like, this guy, it's so dry. All right. And he like, he's an engineer. We know engineers. Some of you are engineers. Like, some of you are really funny. Some of you, you know, some engineers, though, they're not. Um, and so, like, he, he, my, my dad's an engineer. I can say that. But anyway, William was, is funny. He just is super dry. Like, I'm dry sometimes. He's like Sahara dry. Um, like, it doesn't rain there. And so, he, he finally just convinced me, though, in that unflattering way and basically non-coddling way to finish. And so I did. I kept reading. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have like somebody coaching me. And I would like to say it was just because I was that close to God. But honestly, at that point, it was probably more pride than anything else. I was like, we're not going this far and stopping. I don't want to redo this. And so I read the Bible through. Then I found out there were people that had already written like plans and stuff. I was like, oh, I'm not really a pioneer, and I did this the worst way possible. And so, <clears throat> a couple of things began to happen, though. I would read things and think, why hasn't anybody ever taught that? Why haven't I heard a sermon about that? Where did that verse come from? I also would be making a life decision, and a verse would come into my head. And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? It was amazing what happened when I really started to consume big chunks of Scripture. I called a guy the other day for a series that we're going to do in May, and in May we're going to do a workplace series, Faith in the Workplace. Jason's going to teach the first Tuesday in May, so two weeks from now, and he's going to do kind of the philosophy of how did we get where we are when it comes to the, the new world of diversity training and sensitivity training and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm going to teach the following week on kind of my working title right now is like, is the Daniel principle. How, how did Daniel follow God in Babylon? Because we're in a new Babylon now. And how does that, how did that look and what's transferable? And then the third week, we got a little no-name guy named, um, named uh, Dr. Moore. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Just this, like, he's, uh, he's the head of the ERLC. Um, anyway, Russell Moore, he's like, if, you're, if you know anything about Baptist stuff, you're like, Russell Moore, that's amazing. Otherwise, you're just like, have never heard. And that's fine. Um, but Russell Moore is on the national circuit for being a voice in D.C. on Christian issues. So he's going to be on a panel um, I don't know what I will contribute to that panel, but, uh, but I'll be on that panel. Jason will be on that panel. And then a friend of mine who is an executive with UPS is going to be on that panel. And he has gone all the way through the ropes of UPS and uh, like thrived. And I asked him, I said, what are you going to say? So I hope I'm not stealing his thunder. And it actually ties in with the Bible consuming it. He said, oh, Thomas, he said, the rate of change at which young adults are seeing the workplace is, uh, is astronomical. We've never seen a rate of change like this before. It's a really hard time to be in the workplace. And I was like, I know, Chris, what are you going to say to him? 
He said, I don't think there's much I can say. I was like, well, I'm going to ask somebody else to be on the panel. And, uh, and he said, I mean, you know, Moses had to go before Pharaoh. We have the same God he did. Um, Daniel had to go before Nebuchadnezzar. We have the same God he did. Esther had to approach the king. We have the same God he did, or she did, not him, her. Uh, pronouns, I'm telling you, they're confusing these days. Uh, I don't know. Esther, she, her. Um, <laughs> like, it's very confusing. Um, but, like, he just basically, for five minutes uninterrupted, started walking through the Bible. And Chris has made his career and, and some very hard decisions that were fireable at the time because he didn't go along with company procedures because he's consumed the Scriptures. So he and some others are going to come to you at the end of the month of May, and they're going to present some advice on how to be a young adult in the workplace. But what I think you're going to find at the end of the day is I need that book, and I need that book deep in me. Christ's Covenant is the most theologically proper church that not only have I ever been a part of, but that I've ever heard about. We have like theologians coming to teach theologians who are teaching theologians. Like we have, we have a library that Spurgeon would drool over. Like we have, we have more letters after people's names than doctor's offices. Like, I mean, like there's like a lot of education and a lot of learning and a lot for you to consume. But every person that you've read about in those theology books or those devotional books or those books that you're like, man, I never saw that before, you know where they got it from? They got it from the book because they consumed it. And as they consumed it, they grew closer to the Lord. I want to, I want to show you this real quick. It's the most quoted verse in the Bible, by the Bible. You know how like, like the most quoted verse by American Christians would be what? Exactly, John three sixteen. The most quoted verse by the Bible authors though, did you know there's one of those? Um, I was listening to a Bible Project podcast and the guy who was leading the podcast said he had counted, I think 27 times he had seen this verse show up in other biblical authors quoting it. And it's this verse. It's Exodus, it's two verses actually, Exodus 34, 6 through 7. And here's the verse, and he passed in front of Moses. And so, the he passed in front of Moses, that's God. And God proclaims, Yahweh, Yahweh. I don't know why the ESV took that out, but the real translation is Yahweh, Yahweh, which means the God who is the God who is, the God who is. This is God saying this of himself. The compassionate. Let's see if this works. Oh, I don't like that. Let's try this again. There's my third grade. Oh, I left my pen back there. Yeah, the compassionate, the gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, full of faithfulness. He maintains his love to thousands. He forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin. 
This is what the Lord says of himself. I am God, the one who is. I'm compassionate. I'm gracious. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in love. I'm faithful. I maintain love to thousands, and I forgive wickedness, rebellion, and sin. I don't know if you know that there's three kinds of sin. Today in the world, we're like, oh, man, you've got some sin in your life. Let's talk about that. Oh, you did that? That's sin. The Bible actually has sin in three categories. There's three words for it. And you know what God says? He says, I cover all three kinds. There's the, the, the wickedness, which is willful rebelling, but it takes time to get into. That's when like, I get into a lifestyle of rebellion against God. There is the rebellion. That's a quick, like, I know the right thing to do, and I'm not going to do it. And then there's sin, sin proper. And sin proper is no matter what I do, there's a bullseye of God's perfer- perfection. And no matter what I do, I can't quite hit the bullseye. And God says, here I am. I'm proclaiming who I am, and I get rid of all of those things. And yet, He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and the fourth generation. This verse is quoted probably close to three dozen times by biblical authors. This verse is the gateway into the God who is. Look, you want to know, like, what, should I take this job or should I not? Should I marry this person or should I not? Should I date that person? Should I do that thing? Uh, Should I go on the retreat? Yes, there's like 10 spots left. Should I, like, what should I tie to the building campaign? Yes, you should. You want to know, but but you want to know major life decisions? And so we open the Bible and we read and we say, okay, God, show me something about this decision. What God wants to show you is about himself, And as he shows you himself, he gives you wisdom based on who he is to make those decisions for his glory and your best good. And when we don't respond to him, it is just and good for him to punish our sins. And so this is the key, knowing the Lord. You can read all the theology books there are and still live the life of a fool. We want to be the person, and if you don't believe me, just go read Psalm 50. It talks about that. We want to be the people that as we sang these worship songs that were awesome, resonate with the author of Psalm 50, verse 2, which says, you are the revealed glory of perfection. And may the Lord stir our hearts to know him. And as a result, you'll know what to do in that job and that situation and that thing and that person. But it takes knowing the full revelation of himself in the scriptures to be able to live the way he wants us to live. And so it takes, I didn't mean to do that. It takes It takes us getting all the way to the New Testament. You get to Colossians 2, and it says, in Christ is the whole fullness of God. And so in the Old Testament, we see God reveals himself. In the New Testament, we see God embodies himself. And the whole thing plays out from beginning to end in one contiguous story. And it's no wonder we as Christians get so confused on how to live life because we don't know the whole story. We know a verse 
for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, or trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him. We know a verse or two, but we don't know the whole story, and so we make decisions, calling them Christian decisions, based on one or two little ideas. We need to understand the whole arching revelation of God himself. And so I want to invite up Susan and Molly to come and just share with us a little bit about this incredible um, are we going to grab one of these stools? Let's grab these stools. You're going to have to flip those mics on also. So let's hear it for Susan and Molly, by the way. Come on up. This is Molly. Hello. And this is Susan. Hi. Um, so ladies, I need you to convince everybody the importance of reading the whole Bible through. And then I need you to convince them of the importance of just jumping in and doing it in 90 days. Yes. Does that okay. sound great? Do yeah. you want to tell a little bit about yourself before you do sure. that? Yeah, that'll be great. You want to have okay. a seat? I'll get a chair. Oh, sure. I mean, sure. Yeah. I'll get a stool too. We'll all sit on those. That'll okay. be great. Great. Um, I'm Molly Sawyer. I am married to Doug Sawyer right here. And we have three kids ranging from 15 all the way down to six. So we're helping someone learn how to drive a car and learn how to tie shoes. And I think our middle one's okay in there somewhere. Um, and I just have to say this, and I don't usually say this. I went to Baylor University. Yeah. Sick and bears. Did anybody, anyways, it's kind of, it feels special right now, yes. I have to say it. So. Yes. And since y'all were all saying where y'all went. So. Right. That's me. It's off. Okay. I remember one time when... Um, some of you Auburn people, I married deep into Auburn. I remember when Auburn did good yes. in basketball one time. <laughs> you remember that? It was great. Doug, Doug went to Auburn too. Oh yeah, it, was, it wasn't too long ago, yeah, but not all the way. Yeah, not all the way. Way to go, Baylor. Thank you. Yes, and I'm Susan Goodwin, and I'm married to Tom, and we have five beautiful daughters. Um, we have two out of college, two in college, and one still at home in high school. And we have a very delightful son-in-law. So we represent a lot of colleges in our family. So you got, you're, you're on the back end of those kids. They're about to start mm -hmm. giving you money for stuff. Yes. It still costs a lot for y'all. <laughs> it is. Yes. Yes. Um, now, Hayes, I have to talk about Hayes real quick. Hayes is like the one boy in this whole mix. Hayes is the six-year-old. I met Hayes one day. And I was helping a mutual friend of ours. I was, me and a buddy were putting a rope swing up in her backyard. And, uh, and I had to cut this little tree down to get the rope swing so it wouldn't hit the tree. And I look over and there's this little boy jumping on a trampoline. And he's, he stops jumping. And you know the trampolines have like, when I was a kid, there were no nets. You didn't need a net. You just break stuff. Um, but like there's this net and he's pushed all the, like his face all the way up against the net as I get ready to crank the chainsaw. And I said, hey man, it's going to be really loud. And so he pushed his face all the way against the net and just covered his ears and laid his face like flat against the net, whole body leaned on his face. And I was like, I don't know that boy, but he is all boy. <laughs> he was like all about that chainsaw. Like yeah. What a guy. Yeah. He asked for a chainsaw for Christmas. And we, and an axe, but we did not do either of those. You got him the axe? Yeah, we got the That's BB what I'm gun. talking about. <laughs> oh boy. So, ladies, you're, you're very normal. You got, you have kids, you have husbands. Thank you. You have, like, what, like, 
life would be fine if you hadn't delved into this whole, like, you chose to start this 90-day project. What's that yes. all about? How did, how did that even get started? Well, um, for me, it started, our family um, has served on staff with Crew for over 30 years. We're currently making a transition, but um, we spent one year when the girls were 3 to 13 um, serving in East Asia in a very large city of um, 13 million people. And um, as we were meeting college students there, it became very apparent to me very quickly that these students had no access to God's Word. We worked on a campus of 60,000 students, and the campus library didn't have a Bible in it. And every student we met, I would say, um, have you seen a Bible? Do you know anyone who owns the Bible? And have you ever read the Bible? And the answer of the hundreds of students we met that year was always no. And so um, I was feeling like the lame missionary who would fill in a few blanks, um, read a few you know, chapters or verses, tape some up on my bathroom mirror. But I thought, what am I doing? And how am I stewarding this 24-7 access I have to God's Word? And I realized that in our apartment complex of 21,000 people, that in our small apartment, we had all brought our favorite Bibles, even my three-year-old. And so I, I realized we probably had more Bibles in our apartment than the entire complex um, together. And so one of the books that we had taken with us that year, um, Henrietta Mears, What the Bible is All About, said in the chapter, it just said, um, opening chapter, it said that the Bible can be read from start to finish in 78 hours. And so there in my Ikea chair in the corner of my fifth floor apartment, I decided to start reading an hour a day. And I had taken a chronological Bible with me, and that's what I read from. And um, the paradigm, the tectonic plates shift, shifted in my heart and life as I began to realize this is one great story. It's God's story, not, it's not about me. It's God's great story, and um, and so then when I came back, I thought this would be, every time I did it, I would think, I need to do this again. And when I did it, I would think, this would be so fun to do with friends, to just read the Bible, not answer a million questions, but just read it and talk about it together. And that's where Molly and I began our together journey. So Susan had deep conviction. I actually had FOMO because it was a group of friends that was going to do it. I was like, well, I'm not going to be left out of this. Yes. But, um, but I grew up in a home where the Bible was central and it was read, left open. My parents were in the word, but it was, and I knew that I, I loved God's word, but I've, I've said this a lot and I'm sure y'all have heard this before, but I had read my Bible a lot, but I had not read a lot of my Bible. I like to stay in the places that felt manageable and easy and made me feel good about myself. Um, you know, now, a real preacher would said that line like twice because it's a really good line. Say that line one more time. <laughs> I, I, you want me to say it again? Yeah, it's a really good line. I had read my Bible a lot, but I had not read a lot of my Bible. That's really good. Maybe you should, you're like yeah. that. I mean, can, you, can yeah. you relate? I mean, like if you're being honest, can, can anybody relate to like, I, like, if I said, tell me about Jesus, 
some of you would be like, I mean, like he was born and he told some parables and then he died. Um, and if I was like, okay, well, tell me about one of Paul's letters. You might could tell me a little bit more about Paul, but you probably would go to like a story about Jesus. You probably would go to like a famous Pauline verse and maybe in Romans 8 or Philippians 4 or someplace like that. Um, Old Testament, you probably know some of the highlight stories, you know, the one about all the rain. Um, you probably know some of those stories. That's most of us. And I think what you're saying is really important. So when you had that conviction, what happened? Um, I, I knew that I wanted to, well, I think I thought I'd do it someday when I was older. And just, you know, I was sitting in the nursing home, that probably what I would do, I'd read through the Bible. But when we did that this summer, that summer, um, we just got together when we could and we printed off a random chronological reading plan and went through it. And uh, by the time we got through with that, it, it was life-changing. We realized this is really important and that just completely changed me. And um, the way I kind of, the experience, the way I explain that experience is like when, you know, you've watched The Wizard of Oz and it's black and white in the beginning. And then, you know, the tornado comes and Dorothy lands in Oz. And that first moment when she opens that door and it's technicolor and you see the, the vibrancy of the colors, that's what it was like for me. Like all of a sudden I realized that this is a story and I met God for the first time as he reveals himself. It wasn't just on hearsay anymore. I had met God and knew the verse that you shared in Exodus 34, his character, who he was. And then also my, my desperate need for him. Uh, I think before I was like, yeah, I'm a sinner. But I mean, I haven't killed anybody, you know. But that, I, when I realized my desperate need and the huge gap between me and God and what he has done for me, and he has reached through all of history to bring me to himself, once I had seen that, the vividness, the, all of it, I couldn't unsee it, and everything changed after that for me. Yeah, I, I think in Exodus 34, we read that, and maybe we come up with a Bible study on, okay, this is who God says he is, and it would be a Bible study on the attributes of God. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 that we just looked at is really like there's a movie, and the main character comes out. But if you don't watch the rest of the movie, you don't know anything about the character. Like the character then reveals himself throughout the rest of the movie and you see why he's the hero and why he's amazing. And, and that's what the Lord does. And I love that you've talked about how you've, this is not just an intellectual task, but how the Lord has changed you both through this. But I think the question, like the elephant in the room is always for me, when I first heard about this, like reading the Bible through, that's great, 90 days. What in the world? So you want to speak to that for a second? Because that's probably like the big gulp for most of us is 90 days. Yes. Well, um, I think one of the key things about reading it in 90 days is in order to understand the Bible, we have to come to it as it is given to us. And it's given to us in a narrative. There's lots of different kinds of literature throughout the Bible. There's building materials, there's songs, there's poetry. But ultimately, it's given to us as one great story. It starts with in the beginning, follows the story all the way through to the concluding, and they will reign forever and ever. And so 
Um, just like when you were in a literature class in high school or college, you didn't take three years to read one great piece of literature. You would do what an, an English professor would call the first read, um, lay the foundation, the understanding of the main points of the story, and then you go back and do the character analysis and the plots and the themes. And so um, we have found that reading it quickly in 90 days, chronologically, which follows the story, um, it gives you that first read and you understand that it is one story and it's all about God and, um, and his plan for the world. And let's be honest, um, I can't do anything really consistently longer than 90 days. I can't, if you ask me to do something for a year, I'm totally falling off the wagon. So 90 have, is doable. It's three months. And you only stay in Leviticus three days. Or in there for three weeks. That's Rather your selling quick. point right or there. Ezekiel. Let, let's do a show of hands for those of us who, now I would raise my hand for this also. Maybe you have read the Bible all the way through, but who in here has ever started it and failed at least once in completing it? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I love it. Um, that, that's a uh, welcome, everyone. Welcome. Uh, Look, I think, I think the 90 days, when I first heard this, I was like, oh, man, there's no way. And then Heather's like, I'm going to do it with some of my friends. And I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I couldn't, I mean, like, okay. And so, and I did, and she did, and it was incredible. But how did you put this together? Because after my, like, torturous year of coming up with my own plan to read the Bible, which was flip the page to the next page, um, there's lots of chronological studies. And just so we all know what we're talking about here, the Bible itself is not laid out completely chronologically. Uh, the Bible was compiled and then it was at times reordered. We've added, we've divided books that were at 1.1 Hebrew scroll. We've made them several books. We've done it so that the scribes who wrote things down had a little easier job of keeping track of where they were and what place they were in. So, the Bible is not completely chronological. Job is probably one of the best examples. It's close to, it's in the books of poetry, which is near the middle of your Old Testament, but it was actually, uh, it's probably actually the oldest story that we have recorded uh, of one guy's life. And so it's put pretty early on in Genesis. So how did you, how'd you come up with this particular plan? Well. well. <laughs> oh. We, we had started mm -hmm. with a chronological plan, but as we went through it, um, really starting to see the through story highlighted through the Bible, we really started um, thinking about how would we teach this and what makes sense. And what we really loved um, as we went through it, when you get to the prophets, like, those are hard. They are. Um, but once you understand why they're there and who they're talking to, they're no longer dull. It's actually really exciting to, because it is God's gracious invitation for this people to come back to him. So we read the history books along with the, pro the books of the prophets so you know what's actually happening and what the prophets are saying makes sense. Um, as we got into the, as, as we get towards the New Testament, the first and second chronicles books, those are also historical. Those were written closer to when the exiles came back. 
And so we read those as the exiles are coming back from exile and understand why those were given to them. And then as we get to the New Testament, um, we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels together, but then we pull John and we read that at the end, right before we get to Revelation, which is probably one of my favorite things that we do. Because John, was he was the last living disciple. He was an old man when he wrote that. And he's looking back at what Jesus' life and ministry meant. And then we get to his last writing, Revelation, and where Christ comes again. And it's just, it's incredible. It's exciting. And we never really set out to write a book. Mm -mm. We were just teaching this um, in our church. And our passion in it was that we wanted people to just read their own Bibles like they would come to the class and we would hand them a reading plan. And they would be like, where's the book? Where's the book? And we're like, nope, the book's the Bible. We want you to read your Bible. And um, as we, another key point in our um, plan that we have in the book and on our app is Christ is promised and prefigured from the third chapter of Genesis. And so we see him in so many beautiful and brilliant ways throughout the Old Testament. And that's something that we also highlight in our plan is how is this all pointing to the climax of Jesus. And when you see those promised and prefigured patterns in the Old Testament, when you get to Jesus, it is so brilliant, and um, it's like the crescendo of the music in a movie, and you just see all the ways, as Molly was talking about, all the ways that Christ meets needs in our lives and provides for us, and how he is, he solves the mystery of Exodus 34. How can God be gracious and compassionate and yet not allow iniquity? And Christ is the answer to that mystery. He took the punishment on himself. And so that's another part of the plan, is looking for Christ. So here's, here's what I want you to do. Um, if you have your Bible app on a phone, open that up. Now, I still want you to buy their book because they have kids to feed. Um, and can we, can we tell a little distinction between the book and the app? Yes. It's not let, the same content. Let me, let me walk them to it real quick, and, and I'll, I'll just get you. So if you'll type in the search bar every word, um, you can go to plans, or you can go to the little hourglass on the bottom, and you type in every word. You'll see the, let's see if I can go back to it on the screen so you can see what you're, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that logo that's up on the screen. and hopefully you found it. Go ahead and click start. If you're gonna do this, you're gonna wanna cancel and redo it, but I just want you to get to a spot where you can be like, okay, let's see what this looks like. So if you go ahead and click start your plan, then pause and look back up here, we're gonna kinda walk through what does this actually look like, because I actually really want you to do this. Um, it's not January, and so it's a good time to start something new. By now, all the new things have died, and so it's like, let's, let's really do something this year. Uh, and so, I think, I think we, you're going to love this. You are not paying attention. You are on your phones. That's fine. That's totally fine. Um, but phones are fun to look at. Um, and the Bible plan is really cool. Here's, there's a third lady that's not up here. She's the one, I believe the story is, she came up with the chronological plan. Yes. She's kind of smart. Very. 
Yeah, she, her husband's like the youngest guy to ever be on the Georgia Supreme Court. Um, he didn't even go to college and then went to Harvard. Like, it's a weird story. Um, she's Harvard Law, and she said, you know what, I can do this part. So she came up with the chronological plan after looking at lots of other chronological plans, and I believe it's almost the exact same number of words per day. Is yes. that right? Yes, she counted now. the words. Uh-huh. So it's going to take you the same amount of time, time every, every day. day. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, yes. literally the same amount of words every day. So you're never going to have a day where you're like, oh boy, this one's four hours. I mean, it might be if you're like me and sometimes you zone out, but it's more like for an average reader, how long would you say? 45 minutes to an hour. Y'all look smart. Yes. I think it's 45 minutes <laughs> for you. And on the app, you can, there's a listening Yeah, y'all, y'all talk them through the difference between the yeah. book and the app. Okay. Do you want to do the, yeah, why don't you explain the differences? Okay. Yeah. Well, um, the app is obviously on version, And um, in the devotional section there, we have little prompts every day. We don't want you to feel like you can read the prompts and skip the Bible, but just kind of some guide, guardrails of what you're looking for. Um, and we say in this plan, because uh, one of the objections to it often is, how can you read that Bible that fast and even learn anything? Well, um, our answer to that is you're looking at it from a different perspective. Um, most of our Bible studies are like a scuba diver. You um, put on a lot of gear, you go way down deep, and you're rewarded with this beautiful underwater world. Um, but... For this next 90 days, you're going to be an astronaut. You're also going to put on a lot of equipment, but you're going to go way into outer space, and you're going to be rewarded with the view of the whole picture of the Scripture. And so you're going to learn all the um, big chunks of redemptive history and where things fit in. And so our goal in that devotional section of the um, app is to just give you some things to look for in each day's reading that point you to the big story, the astronaut view, and also um, point you to how this relates to Christ and his redemptive work. And then the, the book is a little bit different. There's commentary on all 66 books of the Bible. And rather than daily prompts, there's really more weekly prompts and, um, to, show you, to, to help you know what you're looking for that week. Um, the reading plans included in the book. There's also a timeline at the bottom, which is very helpful. I'm sure there's lots of stories floating around in your brain going, oh, I have no idea where that is in the Bible. And that timeline kind of helps you keep up with that. And um, Jennifer, the other author, also has included in the book some really helpful kind of historic information, like how did we get the canon? How do we know personal letters are actually scripture? Um, how She's a lawyer, and so she's written an interesting piece in the book on looking at the law, which we often think is very dry and boring, but looking at it through... Um, her legal eyes and it's really interesting so she's added some things like that and so we've really i personally use the app and the book as complementary yes um they're both valuable help to me as i'm going through and our goal in both of them again like i've already said is that you would read the bible for yourself but that you would have some guideposts along the way so that it doesn't feel so frustrating and might feel lost yeah mm -hmm. And the other thing we were going to say about the app, there is the listening feature. 
which is super helpful, um, especially. I'm really I glad love, you're talking about this because I was going to mention it, but I felt like it was like a cheat that I was no, about to say. But go ahead. Yeah, this, this is good. No. So I like to listen while I read. One, I think it's like legit way to learn. Um, but it also helps pace you. And so you can speed that up. And I usually listen to it at the, fa the fastest pace because I read you know, about that quick. And it, it takes me about 45 minutes every day. It's not, it, it really keeps you going. And also on the app, there's a place where you can connect with friends if you have a group of friends that you wanna read with, which we highly suggest reading in community. Um, but you can connect and you can post daily comments as you're reading. And um, that is really encouraging. And version has every imaginable version of the Bible so you can choose what you're most comfortable reading in. And um, so it works really nicely. Yeah, I did. Um, I've done this with the ESV a couple of times. I've also done this with the message translation, which was a lot of fun. Um, until we got to some parts that I was like, I want to go back. And then I would switch back over to like the ESV in a couple of places. But if you don't know what Molly's talking about as far as the speeding up, if you've got your Bible app um, and you go to like whatever you want to read, you just hit read and you go to some verse, it doesn't matter what verse, you'll see the little play arrow at the bottom center. And then at the top, you should see a volume button. Um, or a little volume symbol. You may have to move the screen up and down for a second, but it should pop up on the top right. If you touch that little volume button, you, then another little window pops up at the bottom, and you'll see what probably says 1X. If you touch the 1X on the bottom left, Pandora's box opens, and the Bible speeds by so quickly. And so I have done the Bible on maybe two speed a couple of times. Um, I mean, let's face it, sometimes the Bible, like, they're like, they should have written better. You know, they're like, they're like, and so-and-so had four sons, and so-and-so had five sons, and so-and-so. I'm just like, just tell me how many sons they had. Uh, and so, like, they could have done it a little better, but I'm kidding, and I hope the Lord doesn't strike me dead. Uh, but there are parts that I'm like, I know this is the Lord's Word. This is hard. And so, I've gone through it quickly, but um, it's also been good to have, now Heather almost always has the book with her. You have the book because you like to write stuff down. You like to like check off. Yeah. There's like, instead of clicking it. Yes. Yeah. People can't hear you. So say what Heather that, just said. Yeah. Um, Bible project videos. That's actually how we ended up doing an app with version as we connected through the Bible project. And so um, they allowed us to connect any of their videos to our um, plan. And so a lot of days um, in the devotional section, there'll be a Bible project video linked that also helps with um, giving guidance and understanding. Yeah, they've, they've connected with Tim Mackey and those folks up in, uh, up in Oregon, which is a really cool organization. Um, I would just... Uh, so here's, here's what I'm going to throw out to you. Some of you are small group leaders, and you're here tonight, and you're like, wonder what our small group's going to do next. Ta-da! Uh, but you don't have to. But this is done so much better in a group. Um, some of you are, like, there's a couple of new groups that are starting. This is a great thing to go ahead and start the group with. This is what, 13 weeks minus a day? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's 12 weeks, six days. 
You can, think about this, you can finish the entire Bible before football season starts. I mean, it's kind of amazing. Something that people say, I could never do this, I could never accomplish this. You can do it, and you can do it while you're on vacation. You can do it. I've done this while I've been on international mission trips. I'm like, I've got to finish my Bible. Um, and I will say this. It starts off a little bit of a chore. Well, there's like a rush at first. It's kind of a drug. You're like, ooh, all right. Um, and then the rush wears off on about day seven when you're like, I think I'm half a day behind. Oh, no. And then it becomes a little bit of a grind. And then something happens a few weeks in. And it's not so much I'm going to finish my Bible reading. It's I'm going to go spend 45 minutes with the Lord. And you don't even realize that's what's happening. What you think is I'm going to go do my Bible reading and I'm starting to really like it and I'm this far in. There's no way I'm quitting now. What's really happening is there's this intimacy growing between you and the Lord, and you have got this really sweet time set aside every day. Some people have finished it. Have, they'll, they'll do a chunk in the morning, 20, 25 minutes. They'll do the rest that evening. I don't recommend the full-on, like, listen to it while you drive to work. I do think there's something really valuable at seeing it and following through. And some of you are like, he, he read my mind. Um, but, like, that can, that can be a thing. It just depends on how much of an auditory learner you are. But I would say seeing it is really important. But I'll tell you, the last time I did this, the sweetest thing that happened was that desire to spend that time with the Lord. I, I was planning on just finishing it and just saying, I've done it a third time or whatever. But that time with the Lord ended up being like the most precious time of the whole day. So what... Ladies, you tell us. You've done this a bunch of times. The Word of God is living and active, is what we're told in Hebrews 4. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, and so if it's living and active, it has not gotten old as you've read through it multiple times. But currently, right now, in your Bible reading, tell, tell us something the Lord has been just blessing you with. And it, can, it doesn't have to do anything with the 90-day deal, but just something the Lord's been showing you. Sure. Um, it's funny that you had Exodus 34 because I had already put that down in my notes that I have just been sitting and staring at the name that God tells, he declares his name in front of Moses and what that means. And the rest of the, everything in the Bible is him proving true to that character and that he has laid out for us. Is that really what is. you had down? I really did. That's yeah. amazing. Um, and so... And we're, we're also reading a book about the attributes of God, which I think ties into what y'all have been doing, but just all that swirling around. And the really cool thing, too, when you start taking in God's Word, it starts playing off of each other. Like, what it, it's in there, it's accumulating, and all of a sudden, kind of what you said, you're thinking, you know, there's a verse that comes up, but... I find myself just constantly thinking about whatever I've read that morning or, you know, some mornings I, there are no goosebumps. There's nothing that I go, wow, I'm taking that away with me today. But it's an accumulation that's happening. And then anytime that you're going to hear from God, it's going to involve his word, God's word. You're not going to hear anything apart from this. It is this. And so, um, it's so important to have this in there so the Holy Spirit can call it out and speak to you and teach you with whatever 
is going on in your life at, at the time. And so um, but that's where I've been sitting and thinking about that because everything points back to who he says he is, and he is so faithful to that. Yes. Um, well, I just finished the class that Molly and I have been leading. We just finished this morning. Um, and I, as I was reflecting back on what I learned this time as I was reading, I feel like a lot of times when I read, there's like a word or a theme that God um, puts on my heart that I can follow all the way through Scripture. And I feel like this time, um, the word or the theme is just that it's, it's all an issue of the heart, that um, God is always looking at our hearts. And it started in Genesis with Cain and Abel. You know, that story has always been a mystery to me because Cain and Abel are both coming to God in worship. They're both bringing a sacrifice, but why would God accept one and not the other? But as we read on in the in narrative, we can see there's a real difference of heart. And, um, and then following on until Solomon, the, um, the Solomon narrative was sobering to me this time because it, at the beginning of the narrative, when Solomon first took over, it said, Solomon loved the Lord. And, but then when you get to the end of his life, it said Solomon's heart turned away. And so just this realization that tending my heart and paying attention to my heart is critical if I'm going to continue um, to follow after God. And um, so it really is this, it's not what you know, it's, it's who you love. And when our love and affections turn away from the one who most deserves it, um, then our hearts will turn away. So that um, the issue of the heart. And I think what the Lord has been showing me recently is this idea of when God talks to Adam after Adam and Eve have sinned and he says, Adam, where are you? Uh, it wasn't, there's this idea, and, and Tozer points it out from an old, an old Jewish rabbi, and the rabbi said, Adam, it, it looks like God was lost. God had lost Adam. Like, Adam, where are you? But he needed Adam to say, I don't know where I am. In order for Adam to realize, when I do my own thing, I'm the one that gets lost, and I need the Lord to come and find me. And you see that all through the Scriptures. So my hope is that when we finish up, Jordan and crew are going to come and lead us in a song, that you will come visit with these ladies. Their husbands are hanging out with them too. They're going to be right over here. And it's not often that we have like a book sales event. You don't have to buy the book. You can just ask them. In. They're not over there to like sell books. They're over there. They, can, they have books if you want one. But if you're, especially if you're a small group leader, you might want to pick their brains on how to do this. And as the crew, Jordan, I'm, I, I do want you guys to come up, but I'm going to say one more thing real quick. As, but don't go far. Um, as a small group leader, I think there's a couple of keys that you want to be able to do this well. One is, I think somebody needs, and I did this with Tom Goodwin, Susan's husband, and well, actually, Doug, we did it too, didn't we? We all did it. Um, 6 a.m. on Monday mornings, that was terrible. Uh, but there were like 12 of us men that met. The 6 a.m. part was bad. Everything else was fine. Uh, the, or 5, or I don't know what time it was. It was early. But we all met together, and I, Tom would do the what we read. 
He was like, hey, this is what we just read. And he would do it really quickly. He would look back. Then we'd go around the room and we would say, what stood out? And the guys would say, you know, this stood out or that stood out. The story of Abraham was really sweet or what in the world are Nephilim or like we would go through and like just mention highlights. And then I would give a forecast as to what we were reading. I can't remember. Maybe I did the background. I don't know. Yeah, we did it backwards, but it doesn't matter. We had a person say what we had read. We had a person say what we were going to read. And in the middle, people just shared their highlights. Then we prayed for each other and we had almost everybody finish it. My last thing I'd like for you to say is to the folks that may try to do this but start to get a little behind or start to feel like I'm failing or what do you, what's your encouragement to them and to someone who's trying to spur them along? Well, we have three rules when you get behind. Um, one is don't panic because you can often look and think, oh no, I'm like, I've got three hours of Bible reading to catch up on. So don't panic, um, don't stop reading, and don't try to catch up all in one day. And there's nothing magic about the number 90, but there is something really amazing about reading it in a short enough amount of time that you view it as one story. So just keep reading, and if you keep reading, you'll eventually get to the end. That's right, 100 days isn't that bad. No, it's not. Right, like a 97-day program, not too bad. That's fine. Yeah. And you'd asked us earlier, I think this is important, what about the person who says, I just don't have time to do this? I think Oh, yeah, we did ask that, yeah. I think that's an important one because we all, uh, there are some invitations that you don't turn down, and there's some calls you always take. And this is God's invitation for you to come and know him and spend time with him. And we all have, he's given us 24 hours every day. We can find it somewhere. We all have appointments that we keep. And it's a matter of just making that appointment. And I think Nike said it best. Just do it. Just do it. Yes. You know, so. Um, you seem yeah. so nice earlier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just um, do it. Can I share a story? Uh, I was just saying we finished the class that we've been leading for the last 13 weeks. Can I share a quick oh, story? Oh, please. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, we marvel and we keep doing this over and over again because it's like we get to sit on the front row seat to see God's word be true to itself in people's lives and their lives totally change. Well, at the beginning of the class, a woman came in and as we were going around saying, why did you come? Why are you here? What do you have to take away? She very confidently said, well, I am not a religious person at all. I consider myself a very good moral person, and the reason I'm here is because my mom wanted to come, and so I told her I would come with her. And she goes, and I, the only part of the, I haven't really read the Bible, but mom, what part of the Bible have I read? And her mom said, some of the Psalms. So she goes, I've read some of the Psalms, so y'all are just going to have to bear with me, because this is all brand new to me. And so every week we would be like, do you think she'll come back? We would get to the law. We would get to the prophets. She was still coming. And um, reading. And reading yeah. and asking very thoughtful questions. And so today um, she shared in a, I, wrote, I wanted to write it down because I didn't want to misquote her, but she shared with the other woman that was helping us lead um, the study this semester, she said this, may your soul continue on as a lamppost for the lost, but, and, but know that now I am found. Oh, wow. So, yeah, just a lot of, I, I think the most common 
um, comment we get at the end of our classes, I just thought I was going to read the Bible. I didn't realize that my life was going to change. My hope is that the living and active Word will change you more than any sermon, more than any Christian conference, more than anything else, because it's you connecting with the Lord and the Lord connecting with you in the main way He's given us to reveal Himself. And so whether you're uh, a veteran or whether you're brand new or whether you're not yet a follower of Christ, what better way to start than to check out the claims of the Word itself? Let me, uh, let me pray for us. Jordan and crew will come on up. These ladies are going to be over here afterwards, and even if you're meeting, yes, thank you. These ladies are going to be over here. Even if you're meeting with us for a second, if you're going on the retreat, they'll be over here and they'll wait for you to chat with you. And their husbands will be over there too if you want to chat with them. They're great guys. I mean, great guys. So let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for the way that you love us by revealing yourself to us. You've given us so much, not just information about yourself, but Lord, you've opened a door to us to know you and to fellowship with you, and to sit with you. Lord, may we truly see that you are the perfection of beauty, as Psalm 50 verse 2 says, as we dig into your word. Lord, whether we do this, read the Bible in 90 days, or whether we do some other thing, Lord, may the other thing at least be being in your word. But it would be so awesome, Lord, if a bunch of us went through all of the scripture in the next few months. Lord, would you inspire us and move in our lives to do that? In Jesus' name, amen.